Welcome back to another Tennessee Holler Facebook Live interview at tnholler.com, at the TN Holler on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you to everybody who has been supporting and amplifying and hollering along with us. We've got a Memphis Holler now, Chattanooga Holler, Knoxville Holler. Unfortunately, there's so much to holler about. Go to tnholler.com and subscribe, and you'll get our emails that we put out twice a week with links and videos of everything that's happening here in Tennessee. Representative Parkinson, thank you for joining us here today. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Well, I know it's a it's a tough time to be anywhere, but especially in the legislature in Tennessee. You know, these are issues that we deal with a lot here in Tennessee. We still have a KKK Grand Wizard bust in our legislature, mm-hmm. so we are by no means immune to these issues. Tell me, if you could, just how you're feeling and uh, what your take is on everything that we're seeing throughout the country right now. You know, I feel optimistic about the elections that are going to be happening in November. I, I do feel that. I feel like there's enough anger out there at this point that um, uh, people will uh, get the imbecile out of the Oval Office. And so I think that's important. I think that um, uh, there may be enough energy even out there to flip some of these seats in the state house and maybe the state Senate also. You know, um, I think it, I think it there, there may have been a fatal mistake for the way that, you know, COVID was handled in our state. We look at all of the people that are out of work and, and this runs across the gamut of whether you're Republican or Democrat and how slow it, it, it's been for people to, to receive unemployment benefits or those that were self-employed, how confusing it was and how frustrating this whole process has been. And then, you know, to come out of that, um, and to, uh, you know, go back in, you know, with everything, all of the unrest that's happening across the state and across the country and, you know, how that is being handled, where they are pitting uh, neighbors against neighbors, you know, uh, or, or even the thought of the use of the military to occupy Americans. It's unbelievable unbelievable and uh, unacceptable. And I hope it makes everyone just as angry as it makes me because I want you to think about this. That Tennessee National Guards person may be the person that lives next door to you or lives around the corner from you or that you you know see at the local restaurant, but he will be given instructions to kill you if possibly if you are out there protesting. You know, and that's that's unacceptable. And, and so, you know, it has all of the, the, the markings of someone trying to spark a war of Americans against Americans. And that is absolutely not what we need. And, and it, it also, lastly, it also puts us at a real and true security risk globally for those uh, our, of our enemies that want to take advantage of, of the situation. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on a lot there. First of all, that the underpinning of all of this is inequality. You know, we have uh, 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 over half the country can't withstand a $400 emergency. And so, you know, that's the tinder that's burning underneath this fire right now. And, And then, like you said, when these things happen and, you know, they happen far too often, it should be the role of our leaders to calm things down. And instead, 
this president's first instinct was, you know, when the looting starts, the, starts the shooting starts, and the focus has very quickly turned to the violent protests as opposed to the reason for the protest to begin with. You know, how how do we talk to the people like the people that you're serving with in the legislature and get them to focus more on the underlying problem of police brutality and white supremacy rather than you know the reaction to it, which seems to be a uh, a red herring and a distraction ploy. You know, how, how, when, do you have conversation? Do you talk to the people in the legislature that you serve with about this stuff? I absolutely do, and it's and it's like they just don't get it. You know, I was having this conversation with one of my colleagues this morning from across the aisle, and she was. Uh, mentioning to me that she was accused of um, shoplifting by uh, an a-hole in law enforcement. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But have you ever had a gun drawn on you with the finger on the trigger saying, if you move, I will kill your black ass. So you're one second away from having your brains blown out if you flinch, have you ever been in that position? Have you ever been in a position where they've they've told you uh, you fit the description? If I had a dime for that, for every time I got that, I'd probably be uh, uh, in upper middle class. <laughs> have, have you ever uh, had someone to kick your door in at midnight only for it to be the wrong house and kill uh, your, your girlfriend? Have you ever had your 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 cousin, brother, father laying on the ground for the world to see as the arrogance is is is, is blaring out of the eyes of a person with, with their knee on his neck as we all watched his spirit leave his body, even though onlookers were begging him to get off of this man because the man is dying. But his privilege and his backing by those same people, by the same individuals that I'm talking to, empowered him to do what he was doing. Not only that, but the words that come from the, the highest office in this country, especially you think about some of his, at some of his uh, rallies where he said, back in the day, other things would have happened to these individuals or where he's empowered law enforcement to do more to hurt individuals or harm individuals. That's what we saw in the eyes of this officer as he continued to keep his knee on the neck of Mr. George Floyd. And so it's now, this is what is important. This is, if, if, if we don't say anything else in this, in this interview, the most important thing for people to know and understand, all of these things that we are seeing all of the, the, the protests, the riots, the destruction is because there were policies that were put in place by Republican lawmakers that made the ground fertile for the events like Mr. George Floyd's, Floyd's or Breonna Taylor's or, or, or Mr. Hamlin's to happen. So for instance, there's a piece of legislation that came through this year. They said, if I'm fleeing from an officer and that officer gets hurt or killed, 
chasing me, then I'm going to receive additional felony charges or enhancements. Now, so my question becomes, if I'm faced with this officer and he is about to kill me and I run, because I got two choices. I can run or I can try to kill him to keep him from killing me. Now you're telling me I can't kill him and I can't run either. So I should, I'm supposed to, by law, just stand there and die. Fuck that. I'm, it's one, one of the two things that's going to happen. So now, but, but it's policies like those or policies that remove the oversight from, from law enforcement or, or policies such as stand your ground that allows the average dumbass Joe to decide he is empowered to kill an unarmed black person. It is those policies or, or the policies being pushed to give anybody a gun, whether they, whether they with no background checks, with no accountability or, or, or to give um, um, immunity to law enforcement with no accountability. Those are the policies that made the ground fertile for an unarmed African-American to die, which then caused the eruption. Because now, again, we got choices. You know, we can either ride this eruption out or these same individuals can begin shooting back. Now, which ones do you want? And so, but you got to look at the root cause or the roots that allowed these things to happen or allowed these things to be in place. And, and all of these policies lie at the feet of Republicans and, and those that are backed by NRA and these other people. So it seems like at the core of that is there's this feeling of invinci invincibility that police feel. And that's sort of what I saw in the eyes of Derek Chauvin, the cop who did this to George Floyd. I mean, he's sitting there on camera. There's a camera on him. He's got his knee on him. He stops moving. Even three minutes after he stops moving, he's still kneeling on him. He, feel, he feels invincible because feels, there's no he, accountability. He feels privilege. Right. And he feels uh, backing and power and, and, you know, and arrogance. I mean, it, 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 it's all in his eyes and it's sickening. And, and, you know, and he knows that there's going to be, if it hadn't already happened, uh, a GoFundMe that's going to fund his defense to the hilt from others like him. He knows that. He knows that 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 there are people within the department that backs what he does. Mm -hmm. He knows that there are people within the courtroom courthouses that backs what he does. He knows that there are people within the state legislature that backs what he does, and all the way up into the Oval Office. He knows that. But that's what we have. That's what they have rather uh, uh, set forth and put in place in order for these things, for the ground to be fertile, for these things to happen. Now, there's, it's not like there's more of it happening. It's just that everybody got cameras now. So it's been going on and they've been getting away with it for years or they wouldn't feel comfortable with doing it. But now everybody can see it because everybody has a camera now. And that's the only difference. I think that's right. I think that's been the biggest change and that's maybe the ray of hope. But what is it that people can do? You know, I think this violence and destruction as MLK said, it's the language of the it's the language of the unheard. And so people are feeling unheard and and that's when people lash out 
And we know this president isn't going to make them feel hurt because he doesn't understand that. He's going to do the opposite. and He's going to try to clamp down further, which is going to make the anger even stronger and more passionate and more destructive. It's the opposite of what he should be doing right now. But what is it that we can do from a legislative level? I mean, I've seen, you know, citizen oversight boards, you know, police yeah. retraining, you know, but but even as dialed in as I am and I know you you are with what you do there does seem to be a sort of what can we do sort of mentality. What are the things that specifically people can be pushing for that can change the environment, change what we do? I know a lot of people on the left want to see defunding of police departments. Certainly the demilitarization of police departments is a big thing. Is there retraining? Is there a change in the way police are hired? I mean, something isn't working here. What do we do, man? So, before we go to the legislative solutions, let's go to the human solutions. Number one, you have as a human the right to defend your life. I don't give a damn what anybody says. And if it's if it's my life on the line or the life of my child, if you honestly think I'm going to sit there and let you kill me or kill my child, you got another thing coming. I don't give a fuck who you are. Excuse my language, y'all. Blame it on the Marine Corps. I don't care who Your language is welcome here. Right. Okay. Now, now, and I don't care what, what title you carry, you hold. I don't care. If my life is on the line, I suggest we do this peacefully. If my life is on the line or the life of my child or my family, I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not going to lay down and let you just kill one of us. It's not going to happen. Just like you wouldn't lay down whoever's on the other side of this. You wouldn't lay down and let anyone just kill you or your family either. So that's number one. As a human, I got the right to defend myself. As a citizen of the United States, I have the constitutional right to defend myself and, and preserve my life and the life of my family. So let's be clear on that. That's number one. Number two, we need to direct our money. Defund anything, anything that whether directly or indirectly touches or supports these institutions that allow these things to happen. Now, listen, I want to I want to point something out to, to all of the listeners on, on, that are or viewers that are watching this. There have been only a few occasions where America has changed on its axis. And I want you to think about this. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, one was when uh, the rich were being taxed and it was only the rich being taxed. And the rich got the poor to assist them in revolting against this tax. And it was called the Tea Party. Because it wasn't the poor that was being taxed from England. It was, it was only the rich. But the rich convinced, once again, those in poverty to fight their fight for them and to die for them. Right? And so we got to stop being dumbasses and being fooled by, by fighting for causes for the elite. Number two, in, inside of that same number two, is, is when, when, when America changed on its axis. So that was the Revolutionary War, right? Then the South had an industrial uh, issue going on where the, the slavery was how they generated all of their money, right? And you had the Civil War and the South lost. All of the money that they were generating off the institution of slavery was gone. America changed on its axis again then, right? Then 
there was the 9-11. No, no, let me go back. I'm going, I'm skipping ahead. Civil rights movement where uh, African-Americans withheld their money from the uh, bus systems and, 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 and other things. And then America changed on its axis again after the civil rights movement. Then the last time was when the world banks were hit in New York, the World Trade Centers. And America hadn't been the same again since that. So and, and it's always been money driven for the change to happen in America, not protest driven, money driven. And so it's it, because that's the only language America speaks. They speak capitalism. You can speak English, you can speak uh, Spanish, you can speak Greek, you can speak Swahili. They'll let you speak and they'll let you march and protest and 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 you know and, and all of this stuff until you turn blue and fall out in the streets. But until you affect the money, change does not come. And so any institution that touches any of these, I mean, any uh, business or, or that, that touches or supports these inst institutions that allow for the killing of unarmed black people, then all of the black dollars, which are a lot, need to be removed from that institution. Right. That that was number what was that number? Defend yourself. Um, no, that was number two. Number three. Um, uh, if you have the, if you are eligible, here's number three. If you are eligible to legally get a gun carry permit, go get it. Because so that you can defend yourself and your family, if you need to defend yourself and your family. And so let me go ahead. You, you look like you I, want to I, well, I was just going to say, like, I just feel like open carry and not open carry. I didn't say open carry. Okay. I said legally. Okay. Legally. I, I just feel like gun laws don't apply to black people. I guess that's what I'm well, trying well, to say. That, that, watch this. You, you know, you, you're, you're absolutely right. Until black people start to go get them, until black people take advantage of these gun laws. Because think about it the gun laws went the opposite direction. When the Black Panthers in the early seventies, late sixties right. were carrying them guns, so That's they made the that. gun laws tough. But right? then Philando Castile, who was also in Minnesota, you know, right. he had a he had a permit right. he was in his glove right. compartment, and look what happened. So I, you know, right. I'm, well, I'm, here's my point in it: if if every mm -hmm. African American male from the age of eighteen to thirty four that could legally get a gun carry permit went out and got their gun carry permit, guess what? They changed the gun laws again. Back, they'll reverse them. You see what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. the intent is not to arm African-Americans. The intent is to arm these crazies mm -hmm. that's out here, these these crazy Trump supporters or those guys that, that carried their weapons into the Michigan um, State House. Right now, where are those guys when they when they kicked all these curfews in? Right. You don't see them marching for the curfews talk right. about, talking about their rights are being taken because that was some BS because they were sent by Trump to do exactly what they were doing. And so, but you have to be able to defend yourself. You cannot, if 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 the 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 crazy ass neighborhood watch dude shows up and pulls a gun on me, and I can't, and I'm not a, I'm a carry permit holder. But but if I wasn't, what can I do? What are my options? Just sit there and die? We can't. That, that's that's over. And see, the, the 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 challenge is, you got people now that's so frustrated and tired of people dying. At the hands of these people, they're ready to defend themselves and shoot back no matter what.
But 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 my thing is do it within get within the law. Make sure that you are within the law, you know, to to defend yourself properly. Right. OK. And so and I encourage every African-American family to send your child through gun safety training early. I took my daughter. She was 11. I took my daughter when I when I went to get my gun carry permit. I took my daughter with me and, and she went through this gun safety class, too, because I, if I'm going to have a gun in my house, I would rather my daughter be educated on it than not. And so, yeah. And so and, and you know, this 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 may be a bit tough for most Democrats, but. As, as, as a black male, I'm more likely to die at the hands of one of these crazy ass folks than my white Democratic colleagues. You see what I'm saying? Yes, son, absolutely. Right. And, and, and if I had a, a son, he would be, too. Right. And, and so and so that that part. And here's the last thing, uh, you know, register to vote, register your family to vote and vote in every single election. Vote in every single election. And lastly, hold your elected officials accountable. I don't care if they're Democrat or Republican or in between. Hold them accountable for representing your interests and for making sure that they do things that are that are in faith or are in line with what the public need, what the, what the people need, rather. What the people need. It's too many times that our uh the people that 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 we elect, they um you know, move in that direction or become slaves rather to special interest groups. And, and you know, the people that they are sworn to to represent, uh, you know, fall a, along the wayside. And, you know, and, and, and here's the last thing, too. I think that's vitally important. You know, I look at I look at all of these people and it's still along those lines. I look at all of the people that are suffering because you know, they didn't they, they there was no support from the state when they lost their jobs or were told to stay home. And and still today, you got people that have applied for unemployment and hadn't it's been over 10 weeks and still hadn't received it. And you have the governor who says, uh, you know, calls are being answered, uh, you know, and, and, and every five minutes or by within five minutes. And, and everybody said that is absolutely untrue. And, and so. You know, stop voting. I don't care if you're Republican, you know, or Democrat, whatever. Stop voting against your own interest. Shit. If 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 you know that that the state should be supporting you, and and the people who I'm talking to know who I'm talking to, if you know that the state should be supporting to supporting you, and they're not, why would you go and vote them same people in? Who's in charge of that? You know, it, it, it and it, it goes back to to the to the saying. You know, if you keep on repeating the same stuff, you keep on you're going to keep on getting the same results every single time. So you got to do something different. And so if you need to vote Democrat, then damn it, vote Democrat. Because the Democrats are out here fighting for you to, to make sure that you can feed your family, make sure you can eat, make sure you can survive through all of this stuff. While on the other hand, you got the Republicans that are in, in control that are squeezing their money. And now, I don't know if they're doing it to, to ride the time out till you get back to work. That's why Maybe that's why they were rushing to open the state back up. You know, whether you get sick or not, you know, I don't know if, you know, we do know this, though, Justin, that the Fed sent the money to the state to allocate to the people. But they were. were yeah. Not. Yeah. I mean, we still have people. I see Case Lamore saying that they're still waiting for unemployment help. That's a whole other issue. Yeah. You know, generally speaking, though, 
You're right. I mean, I see it every day. Democrats are fighting to put more money in right. people's pockets. They're fighting right. to strengthen the safety net. And Republicans are bragging about fiscal uh, uh, stability and and cutting, cutting, cutting and trying to make sure, you know, they, we, we were hoarding a billion dollars that was intended for mm-hmm. low income folks. They won't expand Medicaid. You know, they're, they're, these are issues that they are relevant to what we're talking about because they make people's lives more desperate. And, you know, and, and also we have seen over the course of the last 40 years that as we have spent less on helping people, we have spent more on imprisoning people and locking people up. And who bears the brunt of that? That's black people. That's low income people. That's minority people. And, and that is sort of the direction that this country has been heading in. And that's why you do have to vote. But, but aside from voting, sitting where you are, Mm-hmm. How can people affect you? Like as a legislator, what what affects the way that you react or respond? What affects how you prioritize things? What affects how you vote? What affects how you think? You know, what are the, the ways that people can get in your head? Uh, so so because I come from what I come from, you know, um, uh, and, and you said it earlier just a second ago. You know, when these policies are put in place and it puts people like such, say, for instance, like the the almost a billion dollars with a B. I want to make sure everybody understands that that was sitting in DHS coffers that they could have used. And a billion dollars in the Randy Date Fund plus that's sitting there that they could have used. But they chose and and helped and and and. The uh, expansion of Medicaid, which would have brought billions of dollars into the state that they could have used, they yet instead chose to let people die because they didn't have access to health care. Yep. Uh, let children suffer because they didn't want to spend the billion dollars that the feds, I mean, almost a billion dollars in DHS custody that they that they could have to help people. I mean, that could have been the difference between transportation to and from work or or to the to the child care or child care itself. So you can go to work, you know, and, and, but they choose not to. And what that does is this. It puts people in what I call survival mode. Now, if you've never been in survival mode, let me let me let me describe it to you. I've been in survival. Mode. If I, I, I was homeless three times before the age of 17. And I knew what I would do, which was almost anything, in order to uh, put a roof over my head or to to eat. And 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 I and I will tell you publicly, at the age of seventeen, being homeless, I literally broke into someone's house to sleep. I literally stole money from them so that I could eat for the rest of the week until the Marine Corps plucked me out of there. And, and, and so I was in survival mode. So what should I have done? You know, uh, being the nice guy. Hell, I could have robbed somebody, honestly, at that point. Because you never know what you're going to do when you are in survival mode. Right? You never, you, man, you, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Some women will sell their bodies in order to feed their children. And it's something that they would have never thought about. Doing. Absolutely. And just, just I'm going to let you keep going. But just to, to, you know, tie this in, like, when people are less desperate, they act desperately less often. Yes. Sir. And then police can bring their level of alarm down 
and then these incidents will happen less. So at the end of the day, inequality and poverty, which Tennessee struggles from mightily, especially Memphis, Mm -hmm. uh, poverty and inequality are at the at the root of everything we're seeing they're at the root of crime they're at the root of education issues they're at the, it's at the root of healthcare inequality Parenting and issues. poverty right. under undergirds every single issue that mm-hmm. we face and by not expanding medicaid and by not distributing the funds in the tanf pot that you're talking about they're exacerbating inequality they're, they're literally killing people who are not getting helped in hospitals. And they're also contributing to police brutality because police are more on alert because people are acting more desperately like you're talking about. Absolutely. And so I was saying all of that part to say that um, I don't I don't have because I've been there, there. There's nothing that anyone can do to motivate me to action because I'm already motivated, you know, because I get it. I, I, I've lived the life. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to go to your neighbor's house and ask them for some food because you got have Or I know what it's, it's like to steal electricity because I have none and no money for lights. I know what it's like to take the wrench out to the water meter and turn the water on my damn self because I have none. I have no money. I know what all of that is like. And so I don't, I don't, you know, in, in such as legislation, I remember I was running legislation that would simply tell the, the, the um, utility companies, look, you guys are, are now digital. So if somebody did not pay their light bill and you turn their lights off, it's not like you have to push a button or, or roll a truck in most, in a lot of cases now. So you turn their, their lights automatically go off when the, when the money does not hit after a certain amount of days. And when the money hits, the lights automatically come on. Nobody pushes a button now with these smart meters and stuff, right? But they were still charging a reconnect fee. Why? So, so and, and, I, and I explained, and, and the Republicans killed that. So I explained, I said, wait a minute. You're not rolling the truck. You're not sending a man. It's all automated. Soon as that credit card payment hit, them lights come on within a second. You see, so now, so the person that did not pay in most cases did not pay because they didn't have the money. And you're going to charge them another fee, a reconnect fee for some shit that you don't even have to do. Right. That's the type of those policies, you know, and, and, and you know, that 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 contribute to to surviving, you know, people surviving or people being in survival mode. And, and you know, that forty dollar, forty five dollar reconnect fee is a choice between getting back to work or, or feeding the kids for a night or two or, or, or adding to the rent, you know? And so, and so it's, it's those policies that, that, that need to be changed legislatively. I can tell you this now, um, you know, we need, we need accountability, you know, um, um, in, in, in the ranks of law enforcement. I mean, you know, if you're a law enforcement officer and you're seeing somebody using excessive force and you do nothing about it, what are we to do? I love my people in law enforcement now because, you know, I come from EMS, you know, 25 years on the fire department. And so I love my people in law enforcement, but, but I, can't, I can't justify you being there while your, co- while your co- colleague is using excessive or deadly force for on a person who is not a threat. Push his ass off of him. Do something. Because the public, at some point, this thing has exploded so much, at some point, they're going to start fighting back or shooting yep. at you. 
you know, and, and so and it's going to make the problem worse because you did not check your colleague. Yep. So 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 what position do you want to put uh, the citizens in to either let him continue to kneel on this dude's neck while everybody's uh, uh, begging him? Or do you want us to intervene as the public, the untrained public? Well, well, from a policy perspective, you know, both of those guys on that video had complaints against them, had issues, and were, were still walking around with a badge. Still, you know, is there something we can do to say, to you know, a, a, um, a zero, to- not zero tolerance, but, you know, a, a lower tolerance of allowing officers accused of abusing their power to continue. I mean, it should be a privilege to be, to have that badge. It shouldn't be. And even if it means paying them more, like we need to change the kinds of people that are going into that line of work. It's a heroic line of work on some level. I mean, I'm not going to take that away. You know, it's not something that I would be willing to go out there and do. So I have to get, you know, I give it up to them on, on that level. And even if we had to pay them more, but if you mess up, you know, let in the oversight. And if you mess up, you're gone. This dude had 17 complaints against him, you know, and, and uh, Klobuchar mm-hmm. obviously is on the hook for not prosecuting, mm-hmm. but you know, why do we let people walk around with such flawed resumes in such a position of power? I don't, I don't understand that. You know, and, and here, here's the thing too. And so, and, and you know, and, and thank you for having me here. That's the reason why we're having uh the right to defend my lifetime hall meeting this evening. And I hope that you can help us get the word out about that. Yeah. too. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, and it's so because we got uh, the sheriff of Shelby County that's going to be on that panel. We have, you know, civil attorneys. We have um, prosecuting attorneys. We have uh, uh, criminal attorneys, mental health experts, parents and more. That's tonight. That's tonight. Tonight at um, 530. OK. Um, and it'll be live also. And, and, and let's make sure that we hook up so we can find a way to link, you know, Tennessee Holler to it also. And so, and, you know, being that I come from uh, uh, an EMS background, and this is not an excuse. So I just want to uh, preface with that. We see, we see the uncut version of the horrors of crime and, and, or, 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 you know, accidents or, you know, um, People in fires, and, 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 and you know, and so does so does law enforcement. With that being said, if you know that, and these things take a toll on you mentally, and if you're not, if there is not a mental health component to detox that stuff from those that serve in EMS uh, uh, um, professions, or or even or even to detoxify what those individuals have done, grown, seen and dealt with growing up, you know, that those experiences, then you get those guys like, uh, officer, what's his name? What's the officer's name? Chauvin. Yeah, Chauvin. You get those guys like, like Chauvin. And, and I can guarantee you, you know, Chauvin came into this world as a blank slate, just like the rest of us, you know, we did. But somewhere in there, and I'm not trying to paint a, 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 a sympathy picture for Chauvin's ass, trust me. But if if he's showing the propensity to not be fit to serve, something should have been done a long time ago. 
Right. And, and, and right. so, yeah. and so, and, and I think the point you made, which is right, which is it just makes them all less safe when they don't let mm-hmm. in that kind of accountability. And when their bosses won't let that happen, you know, I think in a lot of ways, I mean, I'm a union guy and I, I'm for mm-hmm. unions, but mm-hmm. that police union, the fraternal, whatever, whatever, that right. really protects mm-hmm. them and takes their side every time, no matter mm-hmm. what, you know, they make it really hard to do anything about these guys. You know, mm-hmm. and and this is not a teaching job. This is not, you know, this is a job where if you mess up, people die. And right. like there mm-hmm. should be a much lower level of 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 tolerance for problematic behavior. I mean, you're you were in the military, like where wasn't there some sort of accountability? You know, if if there were 17 pl- complaints against a Marine, would he still be a Marine? I mean, if you tell was, me. Right. If there was one complaint. You know, you, you'd either be losing some money or or have your ass in the brig. You right. so, I right, mean, right, I mean, so like, right. why can't we bring that sort of mentality yeah. to the police force? Why is there mm-hmm. so much leeway when it comes to abuse and, you know, and, and brutality? I mean, he had been involved in a, in a shooting. I mean, he had shot somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they didn't prosecute. I just feel like there is too much you know, it's a way out of balance towards allowing them to misbehave and they know it. And because they know it, you see him doing the things that he did. They don't, they shoot first and ask questions later, right. you know, and, and there's so, a playbook of, of, mm-hmm. Oh, he had a gun or he was running or we were shot at. I mean, there was another Antonio. I don't know if you know about this that happened in Louisville, but yeah, David, have- David McAtee, Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this past weekend was shot and killed. He was giving barbecue to people. He let police eat free. And they said, oh, we were shot at first, but they didn't have their body cams on. So the Louisville mm-hmm. police chief just was forced to resign. But a man is dead, yeah. you know? And and mm-hmm. so who knows what happened in that instance? But this is every single day now. Mm-hmm. Something needs to change. And it has to change. It's not going to be the police that change their behavior. It has to be People like legislators mm-hmm. and sheriffs and mayors that come together and they say, you know what, this has gone too far. Right now, everybody's sort of saying, not my problem, but it's everybody's problem and, and everybody has to start taking it personally. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you said that because, and excuse me, John, John. Mm-hmm. Okay, not, I'm glad you said that because I think it's important to note that, remember, we, we started talking about this, when we started talking about this in the beginning, we were talking about how all of this stuff is policy driven, right? Policy driven by our Republican colleagues, right? All the all of the empowerment, all the way up to the top to the Oval Office. Now, you 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 put these policies in place, then someone is killed or someone dies from this, right? And then you have this situation where, with all of the unrest in the country, well, guess what? That's going to have economic implications also, and so those small businesses and these and those owners of these small businesses, those owners of these large businesses, those owners of the the places that are getting looted, they should be screaming bloody murder about the policies that allow these things to happen. Right, the business community. Right, right, because guess what? They listen to. it's the business community yeah. that backs and funds these re-elections of these same individuals uh, creating these policies. That's why I keep on saying. I'm, I'm, got- I'm looking at, at this comment, and I haven't even read the full comment, but it's from right. Greta, Greta okay. Webb Santos. It says there needs to be a database for police to log the complaints and settlements right against these bad cops. Uh, I'm going to hold this comment 
until Antonio gets back because I always had this idea and it's a flawed idea. It's not a perfect idea, but I think there should be, this was sort of a, not a goofy idea, but like this was, I I haven't worked this out yet. And I haven't pitched this publicly. Mm -hmm. So I'm pitching it to you now and take it for what it is. But you know how we have Yelp Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. on Yelp, you can review restaurants and restaurants. They go, Oh shit. I don't want a bad Yelp review. So they are very concerned about their Yelp reviews because they don't want Mm -hmm. people lowering Mm -hmm. their rating. What if we had something Mm -hmm. like that, but for officers, where they got Yelp reviews like Uber. You know how Uber, you get in a, a cab, yeah, yeah, you get an yeah. Uber and you rate the driver. The driver rates you and nobody wants yeah. a bad rating. So everybody is mm-hmm. very pleasant with each other. What if there was a Yelp review system for officers? And if they did a good job, you gave them a five-star mm-hmm. rating, you know, and, and so it would, inc- and then they got bonuses based on that yeah. bonuses based on that. Mm-hmm. So if an officer does well and gets a bunch of good ratings, he gets money. You, mm-hmm. you always talk about money. They get yeah. good re- bonuses, good ratings. And now there's an incentive for officers to behave well, what if there was some sort of pilot program for that? And, and we, we fly, we fly that banner and see, you know, okay. And, and I know officers aren't going to like it at first, but if there's enough of a bonus structure where they can actually get paid off of that. Mm -hmm. And, and I think people would vote for that. You know, maybe we can have some sort of incentive system. My wife is a behaviorist or behavior analyst in the school system, constantly talking about incentive structures, Mm -hmm. constantly doing that with my kids. And they are always, you know, it, talking about how this isn't just for schools. This should, this could be for prisons. This could be, they're always t- behaviorists are always talking about how there are more use cases for what they do. I'm just saying, maybe there's something to be looked at here in the police department where we could sort of line it up where it's a benefit to them. Mm-hmm. I, I think anything that, that puts, I mean, because we are as elected officials, you know, we're, they have yelps for us. You know, anything that you do, 100 percent you do. Right. Right. Yeah. Anything that that will, um, you know, create transparency and, 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 you know, and give the public the ability to to know exactly what transparency and also and also maybe even some incentives for them. And those two things are so Mm -hmm. important Mm -hmm. because people act in accordance with incentives. That's how it I mean, Mm -hmm. that's even true in our democracy, like the reason that there is corruption is because they want campaign funds and there's no better purchase for a business or a corporation than a politician. So, you know, and everybody's lined up that way. And so we need to line up the incentives. And, and that's kind of what maybe, I'm trying to say. And maybe we need to do the same thing for those corporations that are backing these policymakers uh, that are making this bad, these bad policies because we're all suffering from it. I mean, think about this. Uh, I bet you, um, and I probably shouldn't call their name, but I bet you this big popular uh, um, uh, department store was cringing when they had two days back to back of a person running into their store and shooting up their store, right? But I wonder though, Walmart, if you are also one of the backers that backed the Republican agenda that was being driven by NRA. Right. And and, and this person, I don't know this person, but they said the police, this policeman, maybe they're a policeman. Oh, no, this policeman probably talking about Chauvin worked under a Democrat governor, mayor. They had been reelected Democrat policies. It's a fair point. I I, I actually don't think that these policies, I mean, you see it in New York, like these are not necessarily partisan 
policies. These are, you know, they're Democrats and Republicans are guilty of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And these happen in blue and red cities. So I I think that's a totally fair point, you know, Mm -hmm. but but it doesn't change the fact that, you know, we do need to figure out how to get to the root of the problem. And, you know, I think you're you the point you made early on in this whole conversation about money. It's just the way we work. And so Mm -hmm. we do need to figure out something about money, whether that's boycotting companies that are Mm -hmm. are, you know, supporting this stuff. Or maybe, you know, finding another way to incentivize officers, you know, and, and their and their behavior. Uh, I kept you a long time. I just want to give you a chance to uh, say one last thing to folks and then also let them know what's happening tonight. Yeah. So uh, if you will, and if, if it's OK, I, I want people to uh, please follow me on social media. Of course. That's at TN Rep Parkinson. I don't know if we can get that up in the chat on on the uh, screen or not. I'm putting at right now. TN Rep Parkinson. That's on all social media platforms, uh, um, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Thank you for that. Yeah, Twitter, Facebook, and then you do you did it exactly the way I would do it too. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Twitter, I, I follow Facebook. you pretty closely. <laughs> Thank you, man. Yeah, Instagram, and um, you know, look, we're we're going to be on the right side of the people every single uh, every single time. Uh, you know, and we 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 listen to the people. You know, uh, I'm I'm definitely pro labor. I'm not campaigning on here. I just want you guys to know who I am. And and I've been there. I've been I've been in the, in those situations of desperation. And so I understand, you know, how how people feel and how they're feeling right now. People are angry. People are frustrated. People are uh, they're scared. You know, because it could be me next. And then you, when you listen to all of the rhetoric coming out of the White House, you know, uh, it just it just stokes more fear and more division. Uh, yesterday, real quick, yesterday, man, I was on the Capitol steps. I came down uh, myself and uh, and some of my Democratic colleagues representing London Lamar. Who you, you got to get on the show too? Um, um, you know, we 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 were there and we protested with the protesters, right? And and our backs were lined up against, you know, the the National Guard. Who was guarding the Capitol, right? And 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 I don't know if you heard about this or not, but in, in in that protest, you know, and it was peaceful. It was a peaceful protest, and the the guy uh, Justin Justin Jones uh, was able. He asked those National Guardsmen to put down their shields and batons, and they did it because man, think about that man. Think about that moment. Here you have uh, the person in the Oval Office who has stoked fear and division amongst Americans. And here you got four, 500, 600 protesters on the steps of the Capitol facing a force up close and personal. And those, the, the, the captain, and I, I thanked him for the decision, the captain of the National Guard that was with shields and batons and riot gear made that decision when asked for his people to put their riot gear down. And because, because at the end of the day, these are Americans, these are our neighbors, these are people, man, that we hang out, we kick it with. And now you're telling them to kill me? That's un, un, unbelievable. So, so what we're doing tonight is, is, is you know, uh, the right to defend my life, virtual town hall meeting, and uh, the, the virtual doors are gonna open at and the event will start 5.30 sharp. And we have everyone from law enforcement to legal to parents to um, uh, uh, mental health experts uh, on this panel. It's about nine people on the panel. 
um, that will be able to to give us the legal um, the the information, and it's about educating now. It's about educating uh, because I don't want another life to be to be lost due to this. But I know where with with the the sentiment that's out there, people are are, are talking about shooting back now. But we want people to you know be educated. And, and we don't want people, we don't want any law enforcement to lose lives. We don't want any other citizens to lose lives by the hand of law enforcement. And we don't want, we don't even want other citizens to lose lives by the hand of another citizen. And so, so we got all, you know, um, uh, legal permit carrying experts. We got all of these people on this panel to see this whole thing holistically, because I want to hear my, our sheriff of Shelby County is going to be on the panel. And I'm I'm glad I'm thankful that he agreed to do it because we need to hear the perspective from law enforcement also and what they face. We in in order for us to to create good policy, you know, we need to hear about you know these things, the things that are happening holistically, so that we can come up with policy that that will protect everyone involved, so people are not acting out out of fear. Well, we'll make sure to cover that. And uh, if you have someone send us the link, we'll share the link as it's happening too, so that people can go to it. And then maybe we'll go in and try to pull some clips or something. So, you know, we, we have a Memphis holler now and they've been, she's yeah. been great. So, uh, you know, we're, we're a presence in Memphis and, you know, it's, it's important that we cover that event that you're talking about. Uh, I appreciate you coming here and doing this. Uh, I hope you'll come back again. I've been meaning to have you on here for a long time and you know, you know, I'm, I'm a fan, so I appreciate what you do. Man, uh, man, I'm a bigger fan, a bigger fan of yours and bigger fan of the holler, man. And thank you, man, for being that voice because you, you, you filled a void for us as Democrats that we did not have. And, and you are so important. Well, you I know, appreciate to that. Tennessee, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And give, give a thought. And I'm actually seeing a comment. It says it would have to go through channels for approval. The Yelp thing I was talking about for police officers, mm -hmm. but, but now I'm thinking about it like maybe it should just be a citizen thing that happens. And, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah, if that kind movie. of thing pops up, like mm -hmm. and then it started to become a thing, then maybe they pay attention to it. Yeah. I don't know. Just some thought to put into that one. Yeah, I love it. I love the idea, man. And I'd be happy to work with you on it, too. So look at that. All right. Yeah. Antonio, thank you so much. Go back mm -hmm. and Appreciate make some good laws, man. Tennessee. Woo! Yeah. Tennessee. To Tennessee.